Absolutely. What a, a super encouraging story. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I hope you guys are as well. Uh, good morning. My name is Andrew. Um, Josh mentioned earlier here, I'm the Oconee campus pastor. So shout out to everybody at Oconee. It's the first time I haven't been with my people since I've been on the job, except for this one morning where at six o'clock I was texting our worship leader and our student pastor that I was standing in just a standing puddle of water in my kitchen because a pipe bust under the apartment. So this is like a better reason, right? A better reason not to be there. I also want to welcome our Walton campus and anybody who's watching online, however you're connecting in and jumping in with us, we're glad that you're doing that. And I'm excited to be here because of the passage that we're going to get to look at this morning. It's going to be a good one, not because of anything that I'm going to do, but because it's the Bible, it's the words of Jesus, um, and those are always good things. Um, we find ourselves in the book of Luke. It's where we've been for the last few weeks. Um, we're going to be kind of halfway through chapter 16 in the verses we're looking at. Um, but just as some context to kind of set the scene for where we are, we have, we're kind of in the middle of this run of teachings from Jesus, and he's teaching in response to a group of religious leaders, right, called the, the Pharisees. And we see the Pharisees kind of pop up throughout the Gospels, this first part of the New Testament, and they love to test Jesus. They love a lot of things. They love um, knowing the rules and lording the rules and what they think are the most important religious rules of the day over people as this kind of weapon or way to feel superior. And we have Jesus who's entered the scene and he said, oh, by the way, I'm the son of God. And so like just inherently, I'm going to know more about this than you. And they do not like that at all. And so we get kind of example after example after example of Pharisees coming to Jesus with what they think are tricky questions or they try to stage situations to have him do something that's wrong or sinful or say something that's wrong or sinful. And spoiler alert, it never goes well for them, right? It reminds me um, when I first got to Greystone um, in my early years here, 2013, 2014, I was working in student ministry and um, this one, we did this one event. We went to a fall retreat one time we went off to this, this center and I was leading a group of sixth grade guys. I was just kind of with them over the course of the weekend. And over the course of, of just us being there and getting to know each other a little bit, I found out a bunch of them like to play basketball. And it's probably surprised you by looking at me, but I really like to play basketball. It's like one of my favorite things to do. And so as happens with, with groups of guys, sometimes we started talking a little bit of smack to each other, right? And we're going back and forth. And eventually they like got to the point where they're looking at me and they're like, listen, man, we could take you. Like, we could do it. Like, let's get out there. Let's grab a ball. Let's hit the court and let's just see what it's about. And I'm like, all right, there's like six of you guys, but I'll see what I can do. And they're like, no, 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 no. We can beat you one on one. This is a thing that can happen. And so, like, whatever, my eyes are lighting up a little bit. So it's like, all right, let's do this. You guys are all five feet tall. Let's see what happens. And, and so it was awesome. It was a really great day for me, a really great moment in my life because I got a bunch of sixth grade dudes lining up single file, taking the ball up top and trying to go and play basketball. And we're playing all these games and I'm swatting shots out of here and I'm making layups and all this stuff and I'm feeling really, really good in whatever I shouldn't have. There are sixth graders. And I'm taking like an immense amount of satisfaction out of the fact that like I don't have to jump to just like be in their way. But I kind of picture that's the Pharisees coming at Jesus a little bit, right? As they come and they think they've got it, right? They think they have a move. They think they have some rhetorical trick that they're going to stump Jesus with. And he just constantly responds with, with wisdom um, and truth and points people towards just the truth of who he is and who God is and, and what that means for us. And this, this story is another example of that. So in Luke chapter 16, verse 19, I'm going to read through the end of the chapter because there's this, this parable that Jesus tells. This is a, a fictional story um, with a spiritual lesson, right? This is not historical documentation of, of something that happened. This is just Jesus 
giving us a really good illustration of some principles. And so we'll, we'll read this together. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called up to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. There's a lot there. There's a lot happening. There's probably a handful of different messages that, that anyone could come and, and teach from in this passage. But I think at the core of it, when we pay attention to just what is here in the text, we're introduced to two characters at the beginning. And then if you're going verse by verse, most of this story, like three quarters of this story takes place after the two main characters have died, right? Most of this is a conversation that takes place in a life that is happening after death. So just by way of introduction, if we're going to engage with this passage at all, we have to understand this, this first point, and that's that life after death is certain and eternal. Life after death is certain and it's eternal. And, and I know that if you're, if you're somebody who's here, if you're somebody who's hearing this and you're not a believer, and maybe this was some of your stories before you came to know Christ, like this is a huge idea. And something that's the barrier for entry for a lot of people into not just Christianity, but religion in general, right? This idea that, that we were created by a God. We were created in the image of something. There's a part of us. We have a soul that is going to exist in a place outside of this earth that we can see, that we can feel, touch, and understand forever. I understand that that's a big idea. The idea that, that God exists outside of time and space as we know it is a big deal and it's weird and it's hard. And, and I don't have time because we're not in seminary and we don't have semester and semester after semester to break down like the full apologetic breakdown of why God exists, why we believe that heaven and hell are real, and why we believe the things that the Bible says. I think, there, I think there's absolutely a path for that. I believe that you can intellectually engage with, with these teachings, with these spiritual teachings and ideas and come to a point where we accept this is true. I don't think it's crazy that as we look at the universe in which we live, that as we see like all the conditions necessary for life to exist on this planet as it does, and we see just this impeccable design, that that would lend itself to a designer. I think we can, I think we can make that leap. Without, without it being crazy. I think regardless of what your worldview is, you're, you're accepting some things on faith. That's what it is. You're believing in something that you cannot totally see or totally understand. And so as, as we're here and we engage with this, we have to understand that, that this idea is, is true. 
And this is one of these times in, in life, and this is not a, a popular position to take in many areas in, in the, the time and age in which we live, but it's true whether you believe it or not, frankly. And I don't want to be blunt, and I'm not trying to be smug in that, but are there, there are things in life that are objectively true, and this is one of those things, and this is one of those things. God is real. We have, we have a soul. We are created in God's image, and then when our, our bodies are done living and our hearts are done beating and pumping the blood and keeping us going, that we are going to exist in a life after death. And the point of this passage, again, this is a parable. This is not something that literally happened. This is an illustration that Jesus is using. It's not exactly to paint the picture of this is what, when you and I die and we move on to heaven or hell, whatever that looks like, this is not just a frame by frame. This is here to teach us a lesson. But, but there, is, there is truth to this. And that leads me to the second point. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. If, if we can... Start the conversation with life after death is happening. It's forever. It's certain. It's eternal. And the second point is this. Preparing for eternity is the most important thing that you can do. We see in this passage there's, there's kind of two options when we're done with this, right? We die. We either are in heaven or we're in hell. Jesus teaches about this more in more places than just this passage. And scripture references this idea just throughout the Testament and New. And so preparing for eternity is the most important thing you can do because wherever we end up when we are done here, right, that, that's forever. We're locked in at this point and we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in the presence of our creator, the one who, who knows us perfectly, who is the source of all joy and peace and hope and goodness and the one who removes anxiety, depression, pain, sorrow. All of these things are gone and we are in his presence for all time, worshiping and praising forevermore we're either here or we're on the other side the the passage talks about this chasm and there's a gap and we are in hell and the separation and the physical pain and the emotional weight and the mental anguish of that is also forever it's real they're both real and we have to acknowledge that and we have to prepare for that eternity is huge eternity just as a concept as an idea is a hard one for us to sit with for very long but i i hope that that as we engage with this passage and as, and as we study it you don't get the the feeling where you you're in college again and you wake up for your 9 30 class on a friday morning and like just as soon as you sit up you're like oh man the test is today <laughs> it is happening and i have skipped like three out of the last five classes because i was trying to play basketball to get ready for the sixth graders i'm going to dominate in a couple of years and i've not done the reading and I have just this pit in my stomach, and it is bad news. I hope that that's not the feeling you have. I hope the feeling that you have as we think about what happens after all of this is more like, man, what's, what's your dream vacation? What's the one trip that you've wanted to take your entire life? And what if I, what if I told you that you were going to have ample time to prepare for this trip? You're gonna, finances, not a problem. You've been budgeting. You've been saving. You're good to go. You're not going to have to worry about it. You're going to have the space from work. Everything's going to be lined up. Your house is going to be taken care of. All you have to worry about is getting there. That's a better feeling, right? That's a little, there's a little more excitement there versus dread. This idea of eternity is, is ultimately good news. For those of us who, who are in Christ, who have a relationship with God, who are bound to spend eternity in his presence, that is a good thing. Isn't it good news for us that like this world, this world that we live in right now in 2020, like if this year hasn't convinced us that there needs to be more, there needs to be something better, 
after all of this. I, I don't know what will. It's, it's good news. And it's good news that all of us have the opportunity to take part in the thing that happens over here and not the anguish and the anxiety that happens if we miss it. We all have that opportunity. The rich man had that opportunity. All he had to do was walk to the gates of his estate at any time. That's where, where Lazarus stayed as far as we can tell. He had access. He could have had a conversation with somebody who obviously had such a right relationship with God that when he died, he was in heaven. He's by Abraham's side. The opportunity was there for the rich man. And he missed it. He ignored it. He was too consumed with the other parts of his life to engage with something that really mattered, to prepare for eternity. And as he's, as he's realized this, his reaction is interesting. When he realizes the gravity of his situation, he's asked for some relief from Abraham. And Abraham says, we can't do it. There's this chasm. Nobody can cross this. You had, you had your chance. His response is interesting. And I, I want us to, to look at it again. So we'll go back to verse 27 here. He answered, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And the the rich man does something here that I think a lot of us do in, in our spiritual lives. Maybe not even when it comes to salvation or this idea of heaven and hell, but for those of us who are believers, I think something happens. What he's trying to do is he's trying to skip some steps. He's trying to skip the steps that he thinks are are boring or unnecessary or ineffective, and he's trying to get, he cares a lot about his brothers. He knows the situation that he's in, and he doesn't want them to join him, so he's like, something dramatic needs to happen. And I think those of us who are believers have kind of experienced this idea. Maybe even it's just in trying to figure out what God's will for our life is. Maybe we have a difficult choice in our life. Maybe we have something that's going to determine the next few days or weeks or months of our lives. We know we want to honor God with our choice. And we don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to step in the wrong direction. So we're like, man, you know what would be awesome? God, is if I went to sleep tonight and then you came to me in a dream and you just like took over my body and you, you went over into the nightstand and you just wrote out step by step on a piece of paper everything that you want me to do, every choice that you want me to make and then um, leave it on the nightstand and then you can wake me up in the morning and I'll read it and I'll do it. That would be perfect. That would be the dream, right? It would be awesome. I think we've all kind of had some version of that conversation with ourselves and that's what the rich man is trying to do here. He's like, do this one very specific thing, God. Let me just dictate to you how um, I need to be communicated with. Let me just go ahead and tell you the one who knows everything and is all-powerful and all of this, just like how, how it should run for me. And Abraham's response is, is no, there, there's already a way that's been provided. There's a, there's a musical group that I like, and they have a, a song that kind of talks about this idea. Um, I'm going to read a couple of the lyrics. I'm not going to like beatbox with it. It is a rap song, but you guys are just going to have to imagine that part. All right. This is what it says. It said, um, scratch your temple so deep, it's simple. Silly us. We ignore the plane. We prefer a riddle. Dying to see a miracle while holding God's diary, looking for signs. Um, That's it, right? Like we have God's recorded words for us like bound in a physical copy that if we wanted to, we could just carry with us wherever we wanted to go. 
It's available, right? We have this thing that we do carry with us wherever we go. We can download an app and have the written, recorded word of God with us at all times. It's available for us. What does that word say, right? In John 3, it talks about God's love for us. It says that he loved us so much, he didn't want us to die without him, so he sent his son Jesus to make a way for us to know him, right? That's John 3, that's John three sixteen. We know at the end of the book of Matthew, when he's talking to his disciples, the people who are his followers, he says, hey, go make disciples. He gives us a purpose, he gives us a mission, right? We know in, in 2 Peter, guys, it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants us to be ready to spend eternity with him and he's made a way where there shouldn't be a way and he's made a way for that to happen. And for those of us in here who are, who are believers, we are a part of the process, right? We don't wanna elevate ourselves too much, but we're Moses and the prophets for the people in our lives. We are God's outreach plan for the people around us. Parents, you are God's outreach plan for your kids. Students, you're God's outreach plan for your friends, for the people that you go to school with. All of us are God's outreach plan for our families, for the people in our lives who, who we have some influence over and who we have a relationship with. We're it. We're, we're, his, we're part of that solution. We're part of their path away from an eternity in hell and an eternity instead in the presence of God. And I know it's easy to lose focus on that. I know there's a lot of other things that are happening that demand our our bandwidth and our attention. I know that in a few minutes, if it's not happening already, we're going to be thinking about lunch and where we got to go. And I know in a couple of days, if you're not already, we're going to be thinking about Thanksgiving and who's traveling where and how many people are we going to have in the house at the same time. It's like, is everyone going to wear matching masks in the family picture this year? It's a weird year. There's a lot of immediate concerns that are legitimately important and a big deal, right? If we don't eat lunch, if we just stop eating, this conversation about eternity is going to matter a lot quicker than you thought it was going to, right? Like this stuff is important. It's, it's immediate. It demands our attention. But if we're not careful, what can happen? And I know it's happened to all of us. It's happened to me constantly. Is the immediate starts to crowd out the important a little bit by little bit by little bit. And it's the immediate over the important. And then we've lost track of what matters the most. And then we, have to, then we get desperate and then we start asking for miracles and we're dying for miracles and we're holding God's diary, right? That's why this word is, is here. That's why anybody who gets up on this stage, if you give us enough time, we are gonna get to the part where we tell you to read this book every day, to spend time with the Lord every day. Most people up here are gonna tell you, wake up, start your day. Remind yourself of the important before the immediate has a chance to rush in and take more space than it deserves. We're God's outreach plan. We have a responsibility. Like, what if Moses didn't follow through on God's call on his life? What if he stayed in Egypt? What if he never stepped into the role? The brothers of this rich man that we read about would have been hopeless, would have been without a way to get to know God, right? Or at least without, they would have one fewer option. And for us, like, whose lives are we not stepping into? What opportunities have we missed to share this good news, to share this urgent, important news, the most important thing, preparing people for eternity? I think we're called. We're called to, 
to be reminded of this. And if you're here and you're not a believer, you have the, the preparation requirements are the same, right? And, and maybe this is more than you bargained for when, when you came in this morning, whether you're visiting family or somebody invited you or you just decided to check out church or you're catching a, a video or a stream later on. Please understand and please hear me in, in love that this is an opportunity for you. After this, after this morning, you don't get to leave. You don't get to shut your computer and have the same deniability that you had before because you've heard the truth from, from Scripture that in order to spend eternity with God, we, we have to be in his presence. We need a relationship. And there's no way for us to get that because of the chasm, that our actions, that our sin, all of the times that we picked our way over God's way, all of those had a cost. And it came at the cost that cost us our relationship with God. Back to John 3 again. He knew this. God loved us. He sent his son, Jesus, to live on earth, on this broken earth to live a perfect life, to die for us so that he could make a payment that we couldn't make for that sin, for those choices. And then three days after that, he came back from the dead, conquered death so that we could too. So that at the end of our days, whenever that comes, if we accept that gift, if we commit our life to following Christ, we're gonna spend eternity forever without end in the presence of the one who created us lovingly, who knows us perfectly, who gives us purpose just forever, for all time, and we'll get to worship in his presence for all time. That is good news. And I hope for all of us that we can reckon with this idea, and it's easy to forget, and I hope that this at least is a reminder and it's even our application point for today that we need to live each day with eternity in mind. Every day we have to come back to this idea that eternity is going to be here for each of us. And if you're ready, if you're right in your relationship with God, excellent, that's awesome. We're gonna be there together. But our job is not done. While we're here, our job is not done. If we're ready, we need to spread that good news. We need to spread that gospel. It's what we're about here at this church. We wanna know God and we wanna make God known. This is what it is. It's what it's about. And if you're here and that's not a decision you've made, if that's not a step that you've taken, please don't leave without addressing that. If you still have questions that makes a lot of sense, that's fine. Come find us. Come talk to us. We want to be here for that. We want to answer those questions. We want to point you to the answer for those questions. After this, after I get off the stage in just a second, we're going to have a time where, where there's going to be time for worship and songs and there's going to be time to pray. And that's just a, such a good window for either you to have a conversation with God or for you to find a person, find somebody on church staff, somebody that you trust and start to ask these questions to. We have to live every day with eternity in mind. I pray, I pray that we do. If you guys will pray with me.